the great fish moved silently through the night water, propelled by short sweeps of its crescent tail. The mouth was open just enough to permit a rush of water over the gills. There was little other motion, an occasional correction of the apparently aimless course by the slight raising or lowering of a pectoral fin as a bird changes direction by dipping one wing and lifting the other. The eyes were sightless in the black, and the other senses transmitted nothing extraordinary to the small, primitive brain. The fish might have been asleep, save for the movement dictated by countless millions of years of instinctive continuity. Lacking the flotation bladder common to other fish and the fluttering flaps to push oxygen-bearing water through its gills, it survived only by moving. Once it stopped, it would sink to the bottom and die of anoxia. The land seemed almost as dark as the water, for there was no moon. All that separated sea from shore was a long, straight stretch of beach, so white that it shone. From a house behind the grass-blotched dunes, lights cast yellow glimmers on the sand. The front door of the house opened, and a man and a woman stepped out onto the wooden porch. This is Dark and Stormy Nights, the podcast where we read the first page, and only the first page, of every novel ever written. I'm your host, Ben Blackberg. And I'm your other host, Ben LeBate. And tonight, we're talking about the first page of Jaws by Peter Benchley, published in 1974. And joining us tonight is Casey Smith. Hi, Casey. Hi, hello. Welcome to the show. I, I assume that we've all seen Jaws? Yes, a few times. I was actually surprised, like, when you told me the book was Jaws, I thought, oh, there's a book named Jaws. That can't be the same thing as the movie Jaws. It's probably about some other type of Jaws. But then I looked at the cover of the book and realized, nope, this is the book the movie was based on that I did not know existed. Yeah, Jaws is one of those great movies where you find out it's based on a book and wonder how that could possibly be. Uh, I have heard stories about uh, some of the the trials and tribulations of uh, turning this book into a movie above and beyond the whole uh, mechanical shark not not working correctly. Hmm. If you know those stories about how like they had this great mechanical shark and then they put it in water and it's like, oh, if only our mechanical shark was waterproof. (laughs) So a a lot of the like like the teases and uh, hints of danger in the movie are because they couldn't. Oh, get the shark working that day. So it's one of those classic like, oh, our our disaster actually turned into our strength. Mm. Right. Uh, but the one thing I, I, I will add about the book is that I, I think there is a mafia subplot that is nowhere in the movie because you do not need it. I, I would dare say that if they put it in the movie, they would have jumped the shark. Oof. Sorry. Sorry. I mean, that kind of night. Oh. Everybody. It was just, it was a low-hanging fruit and I couldn't resist. Yeah, I've, I've heard very little about it. It doesn't have a great reputation as a book, although I feel like this first page is pretty decent. Yeah. Uh, Casey, what did you think of the uh, first page? Yeah, I agree. I thought it was um, interesting that it opened with the shark. Like I, I because I, I don't, like I haven't watched the movie in a long time. And of course, knowing that it's, Jaws on everything about this book is immediately getting compared to the movie, which is the primer for me for this whole story. 
And I do still kind of vividly remember the opening scene because it was sort of horrifying. You, you know, just like you you watch this girl swimming and then actually what sticks with me is the moment where like she gets jerked and then she's just sort of in the water breathing hard and you're trying to imagine like what just happened did it bump her did it grab her and you know she's about to die and it's that moment where you think she might be realizing that she's about to die and for me that's just like that just sat with me as a moment of like sheer you know existential horror and the strength of that scene for me was that you, I mean, you kind of know it's a shark, right? The damn thing is Jaws. You've seen the poster. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what killed her. But at the same time, in that moment, you kind of don't because you're with her. And she, and so the book opens with like the shark swimming in the water. And I think it still creates a type of tension. And he actually never calls it a shark, right? He only ever calls it a fish. And he, if you know in your mind what sharks look like, everything he's describing, you're like, oh, yeah, it's, that's a shark. Except he also never says anything about the teeth, which I think is kind of interesting. There's like the lifeless eyes, the way the fins work, the way they breathe. Um, but it's very benign almost. And then right at the end of the page is where you get the girl and the guy walking out of the beach house. And you know where this is going to go. And I kind of know where this is going to go because I've seen the movie before I've read the book. Uh, so it still sort of creates a tension, but it's from this other direction that I found interesting. Yeah. Let's maybe start getting into the text. So we have our first line, which is the great fish moved silently through the night water, propelled by short sweeps of its crescent tail, which is a much better line than I was expecting. Yeah. I, I love how, like, you know, the, uh, the usual writing advice to, uh, avoid adjectives and adverbs, well, adverbs, especially. Mm-hmm. And here. There's like every noun uh, or there, there's a modifier for everything. It's, it's not just a fish. It's a great fish. It didn't just move. It moved silently. Like, it's funny. Like I, I took out every descriptive term, which is kind of a weird experiment. Mm-hmm. And it's a much less interesting sentence. And it's, it's kind of interesting just to me to think about the, the descriptive power of those adjectives and adverbs. It's like, I don't know. There's something about a crescent tail that is... Uh, again, like, like Casey was saying, like, we don't quite know what it is, but like, there's a, there's a little definition there that's, uh, if not threatening, at least a a little suspect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, I like how night becomes an adjective here. Like the phrase, the night water. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Yeah. And it sets the scene perfectly right now, you know, you know, I mean, obviously whatever this is, it's in water. You, you, everyone has an image of, you know, water at night, I think, or big water at night, Mm -hmm. either from something they've seen or experiences they've had. And so I think those two words actually create a pretty distinct picture in everyone's mind, even if it's not the same picture, and you immediately sort of know where you are. It's very efficient. Hmm. Yeah. Well, the the whole page, it's kind of funny, you know, because we have the movie in our mind so clearly. Mm Mm-hmm. Or at least we have the poster in our mind, uh, since also it's, it is the cover. Uh, there is something very interesting to me about the movement of the, the, the page's attention. Like, uh, as if we are a camera, we start out in the ocean, like, following this fish. What kind of fish? I don't know. Could be anything. And then, like, we move from the water up to the beach, and then from the beach we move out into the, the house, and then we see, like, some human m- movement. Uh, and there's something to me, it's just very interesting how, I, I, I'm not sure if I have anything uh, smart to say about this, but 
I don't, it, it is very filmic in a way. Mm-hmm. Just that the way that we start with the shark and follow it. Yeah, the way that Casey pointed out earlier, the the like the crescent tail sort of causing things to sort of take shape, almost gives this the impression of seeing something like resolve through murky water. If you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like where you'll see an object and you can't distinguish it at all, and then it slowly comes into into view, and it's much closer than it would be if you were looking through air. Mm-hmm. And the whole the whole page is very emotionless, like it's purely observatory. And, you know, the humans only show up at the end of it. So I don't know. I don't know if that would change. But, you know, you're not you're not inside this fish's head. You're just sort of regarding it. And there's almost this scientific discussion about the way it breathes and that it's constantly moving because if it didn't, it would actually suffocate and die. You know, just FYI. And then it just sort of glides past it onto the land in that same descriptive way up until these people come out of the the house. And I think uh, yeah, there's just something very um, removed about it that's kind of interesting and also a little bit foreboding. Like if you have no attachment to anything going on, you don't know where you should focus your attention on. Uh, I, 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 I was curious that that first paragraph has so much clinical scientific uh, language in it uh, that is divorced from the uh, the terror of the the movie, and divorced from the experience of swimming where you don't know what's around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we know exactly like what's going on. We know that the the fish is raising or lowering its pectoral fin. Uh, you know, like we 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 know that it it might uh, die uh, of anoxia, which is just like a very specific. Uh, term uh and it's kind of interesting something that that you two have sort of uh pointed out to me is how like there's this interplay between a certain uh sort of vagueness and uh as vin said like things resolving slowly in murky water Mm -hmm. uh and and that tension between that like murkiness and like the the specificity of some of this stuff Mm -hmm. uh in that first paragraph which frankly i feel like we kind of lose in the second paragraph and at the end of this page but we can get into that Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does make me wonder how how sustained the quality of this will be after the first page when it gets into actual people. Um, but it also like weirdly sort of retroactively makes me think of Jurassic Park. Like, I wonder if there's a direct line between this mode of like discussion of the monster and the the way that that is essentially built out in Jurassic Park. I've read Jurassic Park, but it was also a long time ago. But I remember that most of the description of the dinosaurs, and this is my recollection of it, this might actually not actually be right, but it was essentially, you know, if you're seeing a dinosaur, you're either seeing it, um, you know, through that lens of wonder, of, you know, amazing creatures that these characters have longed to see, or through that lens of horror because they're being hunted by them. Um, but it, I think there was always a component of someone someone uh, a character viewing them Mm. i don't think there's ever a description where it's just like the dinosaurs doing something on their own and then let's cut back to the people and see where they intersect Hmm. although the other thing it reminds me of um and again this is a thing that i don't know if there's a direct line or not um the way that he uses fish constantly and never says shark yeah makes me specifically think of the way that Herman Melville always like constantly refers to whales as fish. 
and like at one point says i i don't care if that's wrong right um it's just a bit that he does through the whole thing and it like i don't know if that's coloring my view of this but every time he says fish i want to be like it's not a f- oh wait it is a fish yeah you're actually correct <laughs> i mean it's a very scary specific type of fish but technically yeah i think it is you know it's very interesting that he leaves that category open right which kind of ties into that whole element of um sort of scientific observation like it really is a fish and you can call it that even though you're not actually saying what it is as far as how it's going to be relevant to the story a phrase that jumped out to me was uh the fish might have been asleep save for the movement dictated by countless millions of years of instinctive continuity and i just i kind of uh i underlined that just the instinctive continuity part Mm -hmm. because again like we have that that strange like Actually, maybe maybe that sentence combines for me both like the specificity and the like the vagueness of uh, what's being described because I understand like instinct and I understand continuity uh, and I can understand continuity of instinct maybe mm-hmm. but instinctive continuity kind of uh, makes me curious about what he's actually saying there. Yeah, it's a it's a very poetic way to describe something scientific in this chunk of semi-scientific text Mm -hmm. but uh i guess moving to that second paragraph uh was i the only one who kind of felt a little let down uh, maybe like the description of the great fish swimming with the short sweeps of its crescent tail had an energy that the description of the beach which is dark but also shines Mm -hmm. you know and also you know has this yellow light from the house Mm-hmm. There's something about that description that just kind of like uh kind of told me that like okay we're 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 leaving the like the the strangeness of the sea for like mm. you know a vacation town full of city folk trying to get away yeah it it, it definitely kind of feels like uh, uh Peter Benchley is less interested once we step out of the water <laughs> yeah i mean i am too i'd I'd rather talk about the the great fish mm. I wish we had a description of the beachgoers uh, that was in the same tenor as the description of the great fish. Like, talk about their uh, sightless eyes and, and you know, <laughs> how primitive are their brains? You know? Right. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. Like, there's a, a dismissiveness of it. Well, we're back to the first paragraph again. But, you know, it's it, all these interesting descriptions, but then the brain is primitive. The eyes are sightless. It's moving purely on instinct. Like, there's something that minimizes it almost or makes it less alive and more automatous autonomous automatous yeah there's almost like a removal of agency right it it actually i mean it made me think of that um the you know that famous speech in when the in the movie where the three of them are on the boat uh and um i can't i don't even remember the name of the character or the actor but the you know the, the shark hunter is talking Quint. about his experience of Quint. Yeah, he's talking about his experience of being uh, in the in the water with his uh, his platoon, I think, or his, you know his or what it was. They must uh, were they navy, and whatever. They're all in the water, and the sharks start eating them, right? And he has this description of like what they look like when they come up to uh, to eat you, and and it's something about how they're black eyes, like a doll's eyes dead eyes oh the doll's eyes yeah and then they they roll over white 
uh, when they bite you. And that's like the moment that they come alive. And uh, again, there's something about, you know, these creatures that are just just there to destroy, essentially, from his perspective, that um, that simplicity of purpose that I think is kind of it reminded me uh, the first paragraph kind of reminded me of that as well. Hmm. So uh, as, as you pointed out, Casey, the, the movie opens with uh, is it a couple going swimming? It's a party. There's like a beach party and one girl goes out into the water. Yeah. Right. But then, then like she gets jerked and she's like, is her first thought something like, like one of the other party goers is messing with her? She doesn't say anything. I don't think, or at least again, here's my memory of it is like, she might, there might be like one of those, like, oh, there's a ripple in the water and she calls. I don't remember. But the, the moment that I remember is like, you see her and she just gets like whipped from one side to the other and then it stops. And she just freezes and you just hear the way her breathing has suddenly become rapid. And then like she, then it like all, you know, then she gets attacked and killed. But it's this moment between like the first, whatever it was, a slam, or I I think it might've been a bite. um, And the final one where uh, she's just like, I don't know what that is, but that was very, very bad. I'm very, very frightened, but she doesn't say anything. You can just tell by, by the way her body's responding. You know, one of the one of the questions we like to ask here is whether we would read the second page Um, and even knowing the movie somewhat. Mm -hmm. The last time I saw it it was actually at this water park uh, where we were just in water. (laughs) We were just in, you know, uh, you know, tires and tubes uh, floating on this little lake uh, while it was being projected. Um, Yeah, Uh, it was a thing. Yeah. Uh, But. Even knowing a little bit about the movie, like maybe even knowing the movie would make me want to read this more mm-hmm. just because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious now about that, that man and that woman who step out onto the wooden porch. Mm. Like <laughs> it, it's funny again, like, uh, I know more about the porch than I do about the man and the woman. Right. Like there's no description there. It's just like, or like, and th- that's what makes me curious. Like, are those, are those going to be the people who first get attacked by the shark? Like, are, are they the, like the uh, the cold opening victims mm-hmm. um the thing that that reminded me of was this exchange on twitter i'll talk about twitter for a second where uh sadie hartman who is a book reviewer apparently posted if science fiction is the play by the natural laws genre and fantasy is the make your own laws genre would you say that horror is the no laws genre uh to which shiv ramdas uh an author that i follow responds Horror is the the law is out to get you genre, but I think mm-hmm. uh, this is what this reminded me of the thing that I thought when I read that, which is that in a way horror is the you thought you knew what the laws were, but you were wrong genre. Yeah. And that's like very much sort of what's going on in Jaws is and especially with that first scene that from the movie that we're just going to talk about because the two are kind of inseparable mm-hmm. um, is that like that moment where she's in the water and she's just been pulled that one time is where she's realizing that she doesn't know what the rules are. She thought she did, but she does not. Yep. And then she dies. Yeah. Uh, But one thing I did note uh, from the out of the water section I thought was pretty good was the phrase, the straight stretch of beach so white that it's shown has some really interesting alliteration because we go with straight stretch 
and then from stretch and beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have the start alliteration switching to the end alliteration and the sort of slanter alliteration mm-hmm. that you see with so white that it's shown, which I think is pretty impressive. Again, for a novel that I was led to believe was uh, fairly bereft of quality. Yeah, that does raise a question. Like you can imagine, uh, say in the seventies. Uh, sorry. Uh, then when was this book from? Sixty-eight, seventy-four. Okay. Uh, so you can imagine in seventy-four, uh, going into an, air- an airport, uh, smoking. <laughs> you know, going to the bookstore before your TWA flight. Yeah. And other TWA. other uh, yeah. other markers of the time. Um, no security. No security. <laughs> uh, so you're 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 smoking, and your pockets are full of switchblades. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, and you're about to get onto TWA. Uh, and everyone is dressed in suits, I guess. Mm. That is something that people talk about in the past. But like walking past the bookstore and seeing this cover. Um, Here's my question. Um, would it be that cover? Because this is the cover of the this is the movie poster. So is this the original cover? I think I think it is. Um, uh, I think they've all been permutations of this. But I'm not sure about that. Uh, the original is more stylized, or at least one of the older ones that I'm looking at here. Um, like this one is very much a painting that we're looking at, mm-hmm. like that sort of realist style painting. Whereas mm. um, the one that I just Googled real quick is like, there's no indication of water. It's all black. It's the same shape of a shark, but it's much less detailed. You don't see any teeth. And the figure is still just directly above it, mm-hmm. but there's no indication of the surface. It's all implied, which is very cool in its own way. Oh, let me look because I did, I did like a search before we came here and I found there was like three or, three or four different images that I saw. Or what I, I, think, what, I think I did Jaws movie poster. Yeah, I did Jaws book cover. Well, the, there is the... Oh, okay. There is that, um, that cover I've seen before that has like a very 70s font. And layout to me, which is just a like a, a shark's uh, skeleton jaw. Mm. Oh, with the with the picture of the town inside it. Oh yeah, okay, I see it now. Yeah, I, I see the one you're describing. Oh yeah, that's creepy too. Yeah, one of the rare covers that, or uh, really visual representations of any kind that represents the town and the community, uh, which is kind of central to the story. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess. I mean, even with the, maybe just the title, actually. <laughs> uh, it's okay. It's, it's 74. You're smoking, walking towards your TWA flight. You probably have a cocktail. And you've just voted for, uh, or who, who have you voted for? Have you voted for Nixon or is Gerald Ford? Uh, um, <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll cut all that out. And, we won't. Uh, but um, We're not going to make this flight then. <laughs> Uh, so you see this cover or you see a cover, just a book with the name Jaws. So like, it, it kind of looks like a typical airport thriller in some ways. Like, it's just a, like the a kind of thing you would pick up. Like, it's like, okay, it's a picture of a tower burning or, you know, a picture of a man with a gun or, or a picture of a, a shark's mouth, mm-hmm. you know, like all sort of in the same, uh, the same area of like, this is going to be suspenseful and thrilling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you, you you read this first paragraph that's all about flotation bladders. Like, I don't know, maybe maybe by the end of the first page, you're like, 
kind of getting uh, ready for some people to get it. Like, is, is, is this possibly like a delaying? Yeah, it's, it's interesting that both, at least with this section of the novel and with the film, Jaws has always been kind of an icon of the thriller genre, but has also sort of transcended it. Like the film, like growing up, like I always knew Jaws as like one of the quintessential horror movies. When I actually watched it, I was like, oh, this is an extremely well put together piece of film about uh, largely three guys bonding over trauma and a community that doesn't know how to deal with its problems. Also a killer shark. Yeah. I remember someone once pointed out that uh, in some ways the the movie Jaws, once you cut out the mafia subplot and <laughs> uh, it's the 70s, so there's probably there's probably like a, a, a subplot about uh, an affair of some sort. Mm. Um, once you cut out that, you, you, you have the story of a of like a small town sheriff against a dangerous outlaw, you know, which is basically the the structure of the Western mm-hmm. or a, a certain mm-hmm. uh, class of Westerns uh, with the, the genius twist that like the, the sheriff is afraid to get in the water where uh, the, the outlaw is uh, in charge, which I guess does actually match against certain Westerns. Yeah. Uh, anyway. On that note, it's probably time for our closing thoughts because we have crossed the half hour mark. Mm-hmm. Jaws has always been something I've been curious to read. And having read this first page, I think I'm actually interested in pursuing if I ever have the brain power to read a whole book again. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Um, uh, as we continue our quest to read the first page of every book, uh, we are going to read many books with uh, some outdated uh, and possibly problematic uh, elements. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe because he's focused focused purely on the shark uh, in this first page. Uh, this feels very modern in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of comforting that he doesn't give himself the chance to say anything terrible. <laughs> not, not on the first page anyway. Yeah. I would definitely read more. I, I'm very curious with the way that he described the shark initially, what his uh, attack scenes are going to look like. Like, is it going to stay very clinical? Is it going to become more visceral and emotional like how how is he gonna you know take the great fish with its swim bladder and its uh sightless eyes and its constant motion and its slightly shifting fins and turn it into the monster of this story will he never use the word shark and it's like one of those great (laughs) french experimental uh, (laughs) writings where you avoid the word e or the letter e Uh, yeah also just for the record sharks can see Right. Like, yes, they can. I think just not at night. Right. Mm. At least that that was the inference I got was he couldn't see, but it didn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah. Just feel like like that. Maybe that's the only problematic element. Like Mm. we need a little more of a little more shark representation. (laughs) Uh, Right. Yeah. So that's it for us tonight. Casey, where can people find you, your stuff, anything you want to plug? Notoriously, you do not. I mean, I'll plug the thing that, that you plug, but you're already going to plug it, I'm pretty sure. That's fine. You can do it again. Okay. I uh, do another podcast with Vin LeBate called The Chimera. Um, it's a very different podcast, but it's a lot of fun. You should check it out. But I don't really have a social media presence, so you can't find me anywhere except for over there. So you should go over there. 
Thanks for joining us on Dark and Stormy Nights. I've been your host, Ben Blackberg, and you can find me on Twitter at InCatastrophe. And I've been your other host, Vin LeBate. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Reciprocity. You can find the games that I write at mrreciprocity.itch.io. And you can find my other podcast, The Chimera, at thechimera.space, on Twitter at ChimeraPod, or on your podcast app of choice. For show updates, follow Dark Knights Reads on Twitter, or visit darknightsreads.com. And we'll meet you back here next week. Um, oh, I was going to say something. We're not going to leave all this in, right? We probably are. Oh.